Today I'll continue teaching on living in your destiny, but first let's pray. Father, I pray that um, as we are speaking and listening here today, Lord, that you will show up, Lord. And I pray for every single person listening to this broadcast, listening to this teaching, Lord, that you'd come with the light of your revelation, that you'd come deep into inside their spirit and you'd bring to light, Lord, a revelation of who you are, a revelation of how you uh, see them, a revelation of how you are, your love for them, a revelation, Lord, of, of how committed you are, Lord, to pursuing their lives. Lord, and a revelation of who they are, Father, in Christ. Lord, just let it bubble up. Let it come like a, like a dawning of a new day, rising up in their spirit, Lord. Lord, that they would, um, uh, you would cause them to, to really see and have a strategy, Lord, for walking and partnering with you, Lord, in their destiny. And I pray, Father, that, um, that if there's any people uh, listening to this broadcast who don't know you personally right now, Lord, that you just shine into their hearts that they would know, Lord, that you love them and that you died on a cross for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay, now I'm going to continue now um, with the teaching that we started last week. And last week we talked about the, the incredible plan that God has for each one of us that went back right um, at the very beginning when we were created in our mother's womb, that he had a plan and a purpose for our lives. And, and that plan and purpose could only be truly fulfilled in Christ, in our relationship with Jesus, and, and in partnership with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so, so in, that, in that plan, God uh, placed within us a capacity to know him, a capacity to to uh, walk with him, a capacity to believe in him, a capacity to receive his resources, his power, his strength, his love that we need for our lives. And so if there's any of you listening right now and you've never been born again, because that's where it starts. It starts with us being born again. Do you know it's possible to, to know things about Jesus, to know things about God, to have read things about God, to know other people who know Jesus, to, to know, um, even to know God's miracle power at work in your life, but not actually to know him for yourself, not to actually realize that on the cross of Jesus, Jesus Christ took all of your sin, all of the things that separated you from God, Jesus Christ took into his body and he bore it for you so that you no longer had to bear that punishment, so that you could um, know God, so that the, the, the gap, the unbridgeable gap between you and God was bridged through the cross. And I... I I believe that every one of us um, needs to have that revelation of being born again. And when we're born again, we receive a new nature. We receive a new identity. We receive the identity that God has for us. And 
And as the days go by after we are born again, that identity begins to um, rise up more and more because we literally um, start again. We are literally, it's like going back into our mother's womb and being born of the Spirit. And, and the Bible says, Paul says in Galatians, he says, if you live in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And some of us have this, this um, struggle with sin. And in our struggle with sin, we try to overcome sin in our natural resources, out of our own soul, out, out of our own strength. And we wonder why we just can't do it. We may be able to a few, for a few days, um, you know, overcome some things, but, but sin is a nature. It's a nature that we're born with. And so when we're born again, we receive a new nature. You know, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, if any man is, or woman is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so, so that new nature wants to rise up and, and fill our lives, that revelation of who we are, of how God sees us, of who he has made us, needs to rise up and become the very foundation of, of our lives. So if we're struggling with sin, then instead of trying to overcome that sin through um, gritting our teeth and trying to do better and trying to be kinder and trying to not to be angry and trying not to be bitter and trying not to be this and trying not to be that. Instead of that, what we need to do is live in the spirit. Learn to live in the spirit because the spirit is our new nature. When the Holy Spirit works with our spirit inside of us, our new, new nature rises up. It's not a, a set of rules. It's not a set of, of um, laws and doctrines. It's, it's a new life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so God gives us the freedom to live like Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's, that's what our calling is, to live like Jesus. Now, we all know that we fail on days um, at that but our call is, and God has equipped us to live like Jesus. We just need to partner with him, with the Holy Spirit inside of us to do this. So I wanted to go back. In our study last, last week, we looked at the life of Peter. And I want us to, to read a passage of scripture um, that was just after Peter's very first encounter with Jesus. We, we talked about that last week, but this is just uh, another encounter, which was only a day or two later, a day or two after he first met Jesus. And it's taken from Luke chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when, when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. 
So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and then came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. And there was a number of things happening in this this encounter, this um, early encounter that Simon Peter had with Jesus. Um, God was doing something in this encounter. It wasn't just um, a miracle that Jesus wanted to, to give to them to uh, give them uh, prosperity to their business. He did want to do that. He really did. That was part of it. But there was some things that the Holy Spirit was doing in his character. Because what happens when, when God first reveals our destiny, how many of you know that um, it doesn't mean that next week we're going to fulfill our destiny? Because it might mean your destiny might be 25 years ahead before it's truly fulfilled, before you enter the very fullness of your destiny in Christ, of the things, the purpose that God has got for you. And what has to happen is God has to get to work in our character and in our life so that our character and life is strong enough and deep enough in Christ and our faith is strong enough and deep enough to actually fulfill, to align itself with the fulfillment of our destiny. You see, God doesn't measure time, he measures growth. He measures growth. He, he doesn't say, now you're called to this, in 25 years you're going to be ready for it. It, it isn't like that. What he does is he then sets to work and prepares us so that we are ready for our destiny. And there comes a point in time where God says, we are, you are ready now to fulfill the call that I've placed upon your life. And so it's partnering with him in that. And so it's not a, a set time, but he measures growth. He, he measures the state of our hearts. He measures where we're at with him, where we're at with our calling, where we're at with our gifting. Is our gifting sharp enough and strong enough to fulfill our destiny? So he works in our gifting. He works in our calling. He works on our faith. He works on our integrity, on our righteousness. All of those areas he works on so that we are ready to, to walk in to the fullness of what he's called us to be and to do. Okay, and in this encounter... Jesus is beginning to work. And there's three things that really emerge in Peter. Um, I mean, you've got to understand that Peter was a, uh, an experienced fisherman. His family had been in the fishing trade for years. Uh, generations of fishermen come through the family line. So Peter was an experienced fisherman and then had a bad night. In fact, they'd fished all night 
and caught absolutely nothing, which for a fisherman is really, really um, bad news, and it's, it's very humbling. What's more humbling was that a, a guy who was a carpenter, not a fisherman, came to teach Peter how to fish. He said, you know, if you push out into the deeper waters and let your nets down, you'll get a big catch. Now, any fisherman knows that the majority of the fish are not in the deep water. They're in the shallow water. That's where you get the main catch of fish. But Jesus said, no, this time go out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. And so Peter would have been a bit narked about this, but he did as he was told. He realized that Jesus had something. There was something about this guy, Jesus, that um, carried authority and he obeyed him. And then when it, they got the catch, all kinds of emotions started to rise up in Peter. The first thing that rose up was a hurt pride that he was a carpenter telling a fisherman um, how to fish in front of his, all his mates. And pride would have really been hurt in Peter. A pride is one of the main things that will separate us from God, will separate us from fulfilling our destiny in Christ. That old identity of pride began to uh, rise up, but, but in this situation, God broke some of Peter's pride. And that was a good thing. It was a good thing because if, if humility begins to rise up, um, that connects us with our destiny. It connects us with the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so, so pride sometimes rises up in, in us, but God sets up situations in our lives to break pride. I can remember once... Um, in my own life, when God was really training me in the ministry, <clears throat> and um, I was actually a lorry driver at the time. I worked for, a, I drove big lorries, and, um, and um, in one week, I had three accidents in the lorry, in one week. And two and a half were not my fault. The first one, um, I was a long way from the car. He was turning right, and I put my foot on the brake, and I put my foot on the brake, and I put my foot on the brake, and nothing happened, and I plowed into the back of the car. And we found out that the, the, the brake, the load sensor that connected the brakes with the load had been snapped, and I had no brakes. And the second one, I just met a car on a corner, you know, on a country road. And the third one, I was stationary and somebody came along in a van with a scaffold pole and the scaffold pole 
came round the corner. I was standing uh, stationary in the lorry uh, in a parking place on a very narrow road, and the scaffold pole went straight through my curtain and ripped it from top to bottom. And I rang my boss. I was really, really scared. I thought I was going to lose my job, and he was angry with me. And, and I came off the phone, and I was really angry with God, to be honest with you. So why, why did you let this happen? Why is this all going on? This is three accidents in a week. And, and God just said to me very clearly, said, I'm just getting rid of a bit more pride. And God was preparing me for something bigger. That I didn't lose my job, actually. Um, God was preparing me, and, and he needed to break areas of pride in my life that were hindering me from my calling. The second thing was, is that um, shame rose up. Peter felt ashamed that a carpenter had told a fisherman how to fish. And he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Well, Peter hadn't actually sinned at all. He hadn't committed any kind of sin. But that's how he felt. He felt dirty. He felt... Um, uh, polluted in the presence of a holy God. And he just, he just, this shame just rose up. And shame can be very much part of our old identity. Our old, our old um, identity is very often, particularly if we've had experiences um, that have made us ashamed, things we, we've done wrong, things we've said that we shouldn't have done, things that we've done that we shouldn't have done, things we feel ashamed of, or even experiences that have happened to us um, that have made us feel weak and ashamed. And, and very often they can define who we are. They can, they can um, define how we, how we see ourselves, how we speak, how we are, and it destroys confidence. It destroys... Um, uh, just just a, a, a normal confidence in life because we feel ashamed. We feel that we are less than others. We feel that, um, that we're not worth anything. And so this, this was like Peter had a shame attack. You know, I want to tell you that at the cross, Jesus became shame for us. It says in the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who hangs on a cross. And Jesus publicly became like a curse for us, took on our shame so that shame could no longer be a part of our lives. God is not ashamed of you. He's not. When he looks at you, he smiles because he says, you're my son, you're my daughter. And the third thing that rose up in Peter was fear. Was a fear, a fear rose up when he didn't catch anything. Fear of not being able to feed his family. Fear of not being able to provide. Rose up and, and, and Jesus conquered that fear. You know, I, I want to tell you this. That when we are born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives with our spirit. We know that. And 
that starts like a, a wrestling match. And every day there's a wrestling match going on in each one of us who know Jesus. Because, and it's a wrestling match between the spirit and the flesh. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 7. He talks about the struggle that he has between the spirit and the flesh. The things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. The things that he doesn't want to do, he keeps doing. And there's like this wrestling match going on inside of him. It's a bit like the wrestling match um, that was going on inside of Rebecca when um, Jacob and Esau were in her womb. There was like a, a conflict going on, like a wrestling, a jostling. And, and it was like the jostling between the spirit and the flesh. Like the jostling between our true identity and the false identity. And on days, the true identity rises up. And on other days, the false identity rises up. And so, so our... Um, job as Christians really is to partner with the Holy Spirit so that the new identity rises up more than the old identity until in the end all we have is the new identity you know Paul said this I have been crucified with Christ I no longer live the life I live in the body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 so, so what Paul is saying is this, the old identity is dead. It's dead, dead, dead. It's crucified with Christ. It no longer lives. But the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let me give you an example. Soon after I be, um, met Jesus in 1978, just a few weeks later, I was sitting in with my friends and, um, and the joints were coming round of, of marijuana and this guy offered me this joint and um, something inside of me just said, no, you're a Christian now. And I let this joint pass me and I haven't smoked a joint from that day to this. And I was a drug dealer. I'd been involved with drugs. I was, uh, I'd been to prison and um, drugs were really a part of my daily life. They were part of my, my, my community circle of friends, were all involved with drugs. And, and so this was like a big deal. But what happened was something rose up in me that said, no, you don't need to do this anymore. I'll give you another example. About a month later, I was with this absolute drop-dead gorgeous blonde girl. She was really a lovely girl, really nice girl. And we'd spent the evening together. And I'd only known Jesus maybe for about a month. And it came to the bit where we were going to sleep together, have sex, which is what I would normally have done. And suddenly something rose up in me. And I looked at her and I said, nah, I'm a Christian now. And she was shocked and she just walked out of the door. And actually, as she walked out, I couldn't believe what I'd said and what I'd done. I was quite angry with God, actually. And I said, I've been waiting all my life for this situation, this beautiful blonde. And now she's here and you won't let me do it. You know, and it's but something inside of me was rising up a new nature, a new way of living. 
which is the Spirit of God rising up. It's like a plant that was growing up. A seed had been planted in my heart and it was beginning to grow up uh, inside of me to live differently. It wasn't that somebody had given me a, a set of rules. This is how you sh should be. Now you're a Christian. You do this and you do this and you don't do this and you don't do that. That's religion. If you try to do that and you try to, to overcome these things in your own strength, you will find, um, if you haven't already, that um, you haven't got the power to overcome. But if you live in the Spirit, this new nature will rise up. This new identity will rise up. You know, as Romans chapter 8 verse uh, 15 says this, says, um, God has not given you a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but he's given you the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And so, so what that is, is inside of us, there's this old nature, this old identity, which is a nature of slavery. It's like, it's like we're slaves to things, we're slaves to sin, we're slaves to fear, we're slaves to, to uh, pride, we're, we're slaves to, um, to anger, you know, we're slaves to so many things. But God says, I haven't given you that spirit of slavery. I've given you the spirit of sonship. It's a new identity. Your identity is no longer a slave. It's of a son and a daughter. Now, a son and a daughter approach a father in a completely different way than a slave. You know, if you, <coughs> if you have a servant in your life, in your house, if you are wealthy enough to have a servant, which uh, I'm certainly not, but if, if you're wealthy enough to have a servant, you will treat that servant in a different way to what you treat your son and your daughter, your family. They will still be loved, but they approach you in a different way. They approach you in a, in a servant-master relationship. But if, you are, if you're a son and a daughter, you approach your father in a completely different way. And in the same way, when we know who we are in Christ, we pray in a different way. We stop praying like slaves and we start praying like sons. We stop begging God. We don't need to, you don't need to beg God. You don't need to plead with him. He just lavishes his love upon you. You can come to him as a son and as a daughter and claim your inheritance. <coughs> God has a specific inheritance for your life, a specific um, calling and inheritance. You can go and claim it from him and he will give it to you voluntarily. He will give you, he will give you your inheritance gladly. Why? Because you have a new nature. You are a son of the living God. <coughs> and so Peter, then Jesus, as, as Peter had really learned this, God had done like an inner healing in his life. And then Jesus said something to him. He said, 
You're, you no longer will be a fisherman. I've called you to catch men instead of fish. <coughs> this is what your true identity is. This is what your true destiny is. It's no longer to catch fish. No longer is your identity in fish and in the business of being a fisherman. Your identity is as an evangelist, is as, a, as an apostle, is as a man of God. And so, so Peter's calling and identity came out of this encounter. He suddenly the light went on. This is who you are. This is what I've called you to be and to do. <coughs> Excuse me. And it and it had such an impact on Peter's life that um, that he literally there and then put down his nets. And he left fishing forever and followed Jesus. That was the impact. And what Peter was saying is, I'm going to lay down my old identity. You know, many of us as men have our identity in our work. Many of us have our identity in our homes, in bringing up our families. Many of us have identity in different things, maybe in sport, maybe in music, or the arts, or whatever it is that you love. <coughs> but Jesus calls us to a new identity. Now, I want to make this clear. There is nothing wrong with fishing, or there's nothing wrong with working. God wants us to have careers and to work and to work hard. God wants us to have families and to, to, to enjoy family and to bring up our kids, um, spend time with them, and etc., uh, etc. Et God wants us to do those things. They're, they're really good, but they're not what our identity is in. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation, and you, your identity is as a son and a daughter of the living God. That's where your identity is. And so I want to pray now. I want to pray that if any of you have found your identity in these things, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will come and reach into your memories, will reach into your life and bring healing and bring closure to the things that you've found identity in that is not your true identity and bring healing and for your true identity be to begin to rise up. Some of you may have had your identity in fear or identity in shame and brokenness that's come out of memories of your past or that's come like a generational curse from your family line. Um, many of us have identity in sickness if we have long-term sicknesses, and, it, and it's like we find our identity in that. Now, God has compassion upon you and wants to heal you of your sickness, but even if he doesn't, your identity is not in that. Your identity is you're a son and a daughter of the living God, and collectively, we are the bride of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to live like the bride. 
in intimacy with him. He wants us to, to um, experience all of the benefits of being a son and a daughter. Benefits of authority, benefits of, of confidence in God, benefits of, of um, favor and prosperity that he wants to give us. If you've found your identity in poverty, many of us find our identity, if we, are poor, if we live life in poverty, we find our identity in poverty. That is not who you are. Who you are is a son and a daughter of the living God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for every single person who's listening right now. Lord, if there are some who don't know you right now, I want to just pray now and lead you in a prayer. If, if that is you, if you don't know Jesus personally, you've never invited him to live in your heart, I want to pray for you now. Just pray with me if you can. Say, Father, thank you that you are the God that I always dreamed of. You are the Father that I always dreamed of. And thank you for sending Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place that you took in your body and soul all of my sin, all of my pain, all of my rejection, all of my fear, all of my addictions, all of my mental illness, you took into your body and soul. And I confess that I'm a sinner. And I choose today to receive your forgiveness from all my sin. I receive your cleansing into my body, just as if I'd never sinned. Wash me clean, O oh God. Put a new spirit within me. Would you come and live inside of my heart for the rest of my life? I declare you as my Lord and my Savior, as the Lord of my life. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit and empower me to live for Jesus? Amen. And I pray also for all of those who, who are struggling with identity. Lord, that you'd come in and you'd bring healing. I thank you that you are the best psychiatrist that ever lived. Would you just come into every memory, come into their dream life, come into their, their conscious life, oh God, and bring a revelation of your love and kindness. Bring a revelation of who they are in Christ, that they are a son and a daughter of the living God, that they're more than conquerors through him who loved them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for each one, Lord. 